welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Apollo Media. Jay, uh, Neil, not Neil Brown. Oh, I almost got ahead of myself here. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald has officially been fired literally hours after we <laughs> got I mean, off I call, our call. I did kind of call it. I was yeah. like, hey, he's probably going to be gone by the time we finish recording this. And, and we already talked about... Um, about that situation. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, David Braun named interim coach of Northwestern. Who is going to be, or who do you think is going to be the next head coach at Northwestern? Because there's no way they're going to be keeping this staff after this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've seen Matt Campbell tossed around as a name to watch out for. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not, that's not something that I hate. Uh, you know, I, David Braun is a is a because he came in as a defensive coordinator this year, and he has no association with or um, previous association with Northwestern football. Uh, obviously, he was at North Dakota State last year, so a, a little bit different, and that's probably why they picked him as the interim coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't put it past Northwestern to if 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 Braun has a really 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 good season somehow to keep him on staff, but I I think pretty much everybody else on the staff is probably going to be gone. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what direction Northwestern tries to go in. Uh, Obviously there's some, some things that may get a little bit more difficult as a coach. Like uh, you, you do have the, the academic standards that are a little bit higher than at other places. Uh, It's, it's not an easy job. No, I will put it that way. But the facilities are a lot better than they have been in years past. And, yeah, funny coming in for a new stadium that will be a little bit updated compared to the old Ryan Field. But uh, it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see kind of what direction uh, that athletic program decides to go in. So, so I've seen some things on the, on the interweb. I've seen embrace – embrace the darkness and go urban Meyer and uh coach O obviously that's not going to happen um you know got a small chuckle because uh especially urban Meyer not the best individual to come to go to your program after a scandal man how about like David Shaw that's a name I think that's been thrown out there I think Northwestern has better facilities than Stanford did um I don't know like what do you think about that? Like David Shaw? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the calls put out. I just, the way things kind of ended at Stanford, I don't know if he's going to be uh, the first name that somebody calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, like you said, there's some things about Northwestern that make it a little bit more attractive in some ways. I think Stanford has a richer football history, but I think Northwestern probably cares a little bit more about football now. Uh, yeah. And obviously Northwestern's in the Big Ten. They're uh, in a little bit better place from a conference standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously Chicago, uh, it's not the rich recruiting area that like the South is or Ohio, uh, NYC, PA, those areas, but mm-hmm. it, it's still got a lot of talent in the city. Uh, I just, I, I don't know that David Shaw would want to step back into this this style of program, uh, especially in what is going to be an extremely challenging conference, it would be uh, moving forward. Yeah, and especially with 
um, again, I hope my Big Ten West listeners don't take offense to this, but especially with the divisions being eliminated, you know, there's a there's a chance you might see a, you know, a Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, you know, there's there's no restrictions anymore or USC or someone, you know, there's you're not just limited to just your division. Um, and in that Western vision, yeah, there's no like like top tier teams, but everyone else is kind of on a level playing field, which makes that division so much fun to watch. But I, I don't know, Mendenhall maybe. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't think there's a clear answer here, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's you know kind of what we're getting at. But uh, I think Campbell would probably be my favorite, my top pick as as a North if Northwestern wants to go in that direction, but. Uh, again, some of the ridiculous ones that were thrown out there, like uh, Urban Meyer or Kojo, those aren't happening. No. Uh, and and again, I I would not put it past Northwestern to keep Braun, uh, especially if he does really well as interim coach this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he has no prior knowledge. He wasn't there uh, when the um, incidents uh, took place. But the rest of that staff, he's going to have to get his own people in there because – it, there's a very good chance the rest of the assistants are probably going to be let go by the end of the year or at the, yeah. at the end, of, at the end of the year. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it is tough. I know there's going to be names flying around. Now you say Matt Campbell, that's a person I never, I didn't really think about. Is that a lateral move? I or think is it a step up. I think it's a lateral move. Uh, but you also have to consider that Northwestern's already shooken out in the uh, in the right place as far as conference realignment goes. Yeah. Iowa State's about to be left in the Big 12. Uh, I don't really see them making the transition to the Big 10, even though I think it's a natural fit uh, from a geographic standpoint. Uh, so I, I think it's it's a lateral move, but also there's a little bit more stability with, with conference tie-ins mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, and I also look at the fact that you know, maybe the relationship with Iowa State there and Matt Campbell's going a little bit stale. Yeah, it's listen, he did a great he's he did a great job, but I think it's getting to the point where it's the I think we talked about this last episode. It's the blessing and the curse of he has set a new standard and now he's just reaching that standard. And he's not going past the standard, and I think that's why I think it's getting a little bit stale. But maybe a new fit would would be good for both parties. For I, I don't think it's going to be good for Iowa State if Matt Campbell leaves. But I think that would be an absolute home run hire if Matt Campbell were to were to make that jump. But it will be a little bit difficult going in there to start. But the good news is Northwestern has at least the last five years they've invested a lot into that football program. Um, they're starting to take pride in being a football program. And um, I think that kind of makes things a little bit easier, but it's still Northwestern. You're still going to have those restrictions. Um, Now let's go from Northwestern. We're going to move to the SEC. Tennessee is fined $8 million, but a bull, but avoids a bull ban due to more than 200 infractions by Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, they had to forfeit 11 wins from 2019 to 2020. Uh, again, that's not in that's not 11 years in each year. That's 11 wins total. 
And then Pruitt has a six-year show cause order. It sounds to me, Jay, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like the NCAA basically was like, okay, you cheated, but since it didn't work, we're we're not going to punish the people in the program now. Yeah, and I mean, you also look at it like Jeremy Pruitt's gone. Uh, it, it just kind of doesn't I – don't, I don't think it really makes sense to – to mm. institute a bull ban here for a bunch of people who who haven't been at the uh at, weren't at the program during the time mm. that the uh infractions occurred so uh it's honestly i think it's a step in the right direction as far as NCAA punishments go uh because you're you're finding the the institution itself but you're not really taking it out on the kids that are there uh yeah. that, that weren't really involved with the issues Jay, I, I get all that. I want Tennessee to burn so bad. <laughs> Sorry, like, I love Josh Heupel. <laughs> I know. And we do like Josh. I like Josh Heupel too. I, it's it's a shame that he's at Tennessee. Um, now, here's a question for you, Jay. If this same thing happened, let's say, eight years ago or ten years ago, I think there's no question Tennessee sees a bull ban. Probably yeah. a multi-year bull ban. 100%. I mean, if you look at what Ohio State, you know, they had they had a small sanctions where um they had to give rid- they had to lose some scholarships because players were trading in, you know, their bowl game rings for tattoos. Um, you know, looking back now and even back then, that that wasn't really there's no competitive advantage there. Is it illegal? Yes, but a bunch of guys wanted to sell their stuff, get some extra money. This is literally giving – they were giving people – not McDonald's bags, by the way. It was It's Chick-fil-A bags. You know, $300. Um, there's, you know, the coach, uh, uh, Pruitt, his wife, other assistant coaches taking out money uh, when recruits were going there. Um I did like the assistant coach's excuse saying that he uh, had a joint bank account with his parents and didn't want them to know that he was spending all of his money at, at the bar, which is a, if you were like 21 or, you know, between 21 and 23, that, I mean, that's a master, that guy has definitely done that before. Okay. That's mastermind type work, but you know, as a, as a GA, he's probably about what, 26, 27? I don't know. But I I sadly kind of agree with you that I do think it's a step in the right direction. Everyone there has already been kind of punished. Pruitt's punished himself, or you know, him he is punished. And then no one else is there anymore. Um yeah. they didn't, and I think the big thing is they didn't win anything. They they were they weren't they weren't good. Um, no. Again, forfeiting wins. Again, it doesn't. I don't know. Forfeiting wins. Eh, it doesn't really matter. But institutions penalized. Uh, you know, fined in their pocketbook. Pruitt's penalized. If he ever want to comes. If he if he ever wants wants to come back to college football. But um, I don't know. I I feel like this is a slap on the wrist and. I really wanted to see Tennessee burn. I really did, but yeah, I, I hear you. I, can't, I guess I can't get that. Um, I don't know. 
You do think it's a step in the right direction, though? Well, and also I think it's the NCAA is just scared to punish people. Uh, but that that could be uh, another factor in that. I think that they're realizing that they uh, if they you know crack down too much, uh, things could go really really sideways for them in a hurry, given the uh, current state of affairs. I'm gonna say something that you might scoff at. Okay, I just if this wasn't Tennessee and it was. Wisconsin or Minnesota. Why do I have a feeling they'd see a bull ban? You're probably right. I mean, is that crazy for me to think that? Because it seems like the teams that are supposed to win when, when they get, when these things happen, it's like a slap on the wrist because remember, you know, Notre Dame's on probation for, and I don't think Notre Dame was fined. But I remember Notre Dame's on probation for, I think, talking to recruits at the wrong time. Um, Air Force had players on campus at the wrong time. They're, they were on probation. Um, now, I understand Tennessee was punished a little bit more than that, but I don't know. I just feel like this is this is more. But I don't know. I mean, I hear you. That's just – it is what it is. Right, like uh, the NCAA has never been the model of consistency. No, very, rea- very whatever they're feeling that day, you know. But again, maybe that kind of is okay because they're changing with the times. Because again, eight years ago, this is automatic bull ban. Yeah, um, I mean, the only thing I disagree with is I don't think they're changing with the times. I think they're being dragged, kicking and screaming. But oh, okay. you know. <laughs> All right. Um, Yeah. So anyway, Tennessee avoids the bull ban. Um, Again, a lot of gray areas there. They 100% paid players, but everyone that was in charge of that has already been fired. So, and it didn't work. So who knows? Um, Let's continue with the conversation we had last week, Jay. Hot seats in college football, but now we're going to talk about the group of five. So I have, I'm bringing three hot seats to the table for our group of five. And I think, how many are you bringing? Three as well? I have three as well. Okay. So I'm going to kick this off with one of our adoptive teams. Okay. Uh, Mike Bloomgren and the Rice Owls. Okay. He is going into year seven. And his total record is 16 and 39. Rice now has JT Daniels at quarterback. They are looking for a big improvement in their offense. If this man does not win seven games, I feel like I say that a lot. I feel like seven games is like the buy some time. But if Rice doesn't get to seven games, I think Bloomgren's gone. Yeah, uh, I mean... Look, I, I was talking to a lot of the uh, Rice folks last year, and you know, there's not not a lot of people are happy with the direction of the program. Uh, you know, I think uh, Bloomgren getting to a bowl, <laughs> even though it was uh, in a not perhaps the typical bowl uh, eligibility fashion, uh, was was a, a win for that program. But it, it's still, I mean. 
just they're they're not holding on to their their best players in the transfer portal. Uh, you have a lot of guys that are transferring out, and then you look at the fact that you know it just it, it hasn't been great from a uh, from a record standpoint, and it's just uh, from all the things I've heard about Bloomgren, like good dude, but it's just it's tough. I mean this this business is is tough, and uh, unfortunately for. For that staff, I mean, it's just uh, kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, you know, getting seven years is not something that a lot of coaches see. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if he's able to get seven wins. I do think bull eligibility would save him, but uh, – and I should say proper bull eligibility, not, you know, kind of getting in on APR or, or whatever mm. the case was last year. I think getting seven wins would, would, would save him there, but – it's tough, uh, and they're also you got to look at going to a new conference in the American and mm-hmm. and everything that, that entails. Uh, so it's you know it's kind of like they're on the precipice of of change anyway. And if if things aren't going well, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make that uh, switch in, in the head coach role. No, yeah, it's making that switch to the American too. It's it's a tough yeah. con- it, it's a tougher conference. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so we will have to see. And, Jay, who's one of your guys that you're bringing to the table here? So I have uh, the first guy in the hot seat on my list is Ryan Silverfield, uh, the head coach at Memphis. And, you know, obviously part of this is is the coaches that Silverfield followed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's been at Memphis for three years. In 2020, the COVID season, he goes five and three in the American Conference. Okay. But since then, he's gone three and five in the American both years. Uh, and you're following Justin Fuente and uh, and uh, Norvell. Uh, Mike Norvell. And it, it's the success that those two guys had kind of put Silverfield in a tough position, I think. But having a losing having a losing conference record two years in a row, not great. Uh, obviously you have a whole bunch of new teams coming in and you have some of the, the better programs leaving the conference, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis isn't going to see Cincinnati. They're not going to see Houston. They're not going to see UCF. So it, it's, I think there's a gap there where they have a chance to assert themselves as the top football program in the American conference. If Silverfield isn't able to get a winning record in conference in in 2023, I think he's going to find a seat very, very hot uh, just because of the nature of, of what the guys before him accomplished, as well as the fact that, you know, it's the, the standards just been kind of raised there at that program. So we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, you know, it's, there's still some tough teams coming in uh, UTSA in particular. I look at as a, as a program that's going to be, uh, I think right at the top, and then Tulane, what they if they're able to duplicate what they did last year, uh, two two very strong programs in the American, but it, it's still an opportunity, I think, to kind of assert yourselves top of the league, and I think that may be why Memphis may move on a little bit quicker. Yeah, I mean, it's been Memphis has been a team the last, oh, I want to say ten years, maybe the last decade. They've been, you know, pretty good. They've been one of those teams in, in the group of five that's kind of made a little bit of noise. Um, uh, they went to a Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago uh, with Norvell. But 
yeah, Silverfield, it's down a little bit. Uh, we'll have to see if he can save his job. So I'm going to go next with Danny Gonzalez from New Mexico. 7-24 and 24 overall record going in to year four. So it's three years, seven wins with the Lobos. Again, we're, we're at a make or break time. Uh, this is year four. When you're at year four, these are your guys. This is the team that you have been building this entire time. And we all know New Mexico is not this, you know, great powerhouse. It, it's probably a tough place to recruit, but you gotta give us something. You gotta get something. You, you gotta win some games in the Mountain West. And I think it's make or break time for uh, Danny Gonzalez. And the flip side of that is uh, Jerry Kill getting New Mexico State kind of going in the southern part of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. New Mexico has kind of at least been able to uh, beat New Mexico State in recent years. But now, I mean, with, with Kill there, I think uh, the the Aggies down there in Las Cruces are, are on the come up. And, and you just haven't seen pros, uh, progress in, in Albuquerque. So... We'll see what what Gonzalez is able to do up there in uh, Albuquerque, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a hot seat year. And, and you know what the thing is there, Jay, with New Mexico State, is New Mexico State this crazy like this crazy good team that's you know making all this noise in college football? No, they're six games, you know, looking like seven games. Um, they're competitive. They're getting to bowl games. That's all New Mexico wants. New Mexico wants to do two things. They want to go to bowl games and they want to beat New Mexico State. If you do those two things, you're going to keep your job. So again, Jerry Kill in New Mexico or at New Mexico State is probably hurting Danny Gonzalez more than anything. And again, year four, it's your guys. Gotta gotta produce something. Yep. Uh, so it, it's like you said, uh, you're going into year four or, and it's, it's just, you, you have to make some kind of progress and we haven't seen the progress yet. Uh, obviously, I mean, Mountain West, I think is one of the better, uh, the better, uh, group of five conferences, but it's you, again, progress, progress. There's, if you're not seeing progress, then at some point the decision has to be made. Absolutely. You are up. Who do you got next? All right. Uh, uh, so I have, uh, unfortunately, we're sticking in the same general area of the country. Uh, UTEP, I think, is another program that we both enjoy kind of rooting on. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Sun Bowl is one of the best stadiums in college Absolutely. football. But uh, Dana Dimel is 17 and 40. Over five years at UTEP, one winning season, seven and six in, in 2021. It was a it was a fun season to watch, uh, but again, 17 and 40 over five years. So uh, it's yeah, you have two one and eleven years to start, and obviously, you know, there were some things that come into the program, and uh, UTEP was struggling a little bit. But uh, 2020 is kind of a weird year. So you, you, 2021, obviously. Uh, was it was a step in the right direction at seven six, but then last year they they're back down to five and seven, uh, and you know I think there was a it was a hot start to the year for UTEP. 
they, they looked like they had a chance at bowl eligibility, uh, but you know, things just didn't pan out. Uh, they had a loss at New Mexico, which isn't good. Uh, they had that big win against Boise State, and I thought maybe they turned the corner, but then they just uh, just weren't really able to capitalize on it. And uh, part of that is just the, uh, you know, I think there's some difficulty in, in Conference USA with just how far away UTEP is from everybody else in the conference. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you get New Mexico State coming in as a, it's a little bit of a travel partner, but, it, you know, it's it's, I think it's a make or break year for UTEP out there. Uh, for for Daimler and his staff, I mean, it's just again, it's one of those deals where it's it's going to be tough, uh, just because of the nature of of the conference. But you also have again some of the better programs leaving. UTSA uh, is moving on. Some of the programs that left for the Sun Belt. Uh, so I think there's an opportunity there again to to kind of get to the top of the conference. Uh, we'll see if Daimler's able to to get to seven wins and kind of fight off. Uh, that hot seat. Mm-hmm. It is. It is funny that we always say seven wins. Like we've been saying that a lot. We said it a lot last week. We said it a lot this week is seven wins. Is that the, do you think that is the, the time saver for about 90% of these programs? I think for, for the lower level programs or, or kind of the, the programs that have, not been above 500 historically that's that's about the number that you can get to and save your job yeah uh, like I, I think the the top tier teams i want to say like maybe i, I don't want to say just blue bloods but like maybe like top 25 all time or maybe like the top 40 of all time i think that number is probably eight saves you a job unless it's also context too I yeah think context matters a lot yeah um i think I think with the majority of jobs, eight keeps you safe. I think there's a few in that top tier that nine probably saves you for the most part, unless it's like 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 you said, context or if there isn't a right fit with the coach or if, you know, because listen, there's sometimes an athletic director can come in that did not hire a head coach and there can be friction between those two entities. And if a team is stagnant at nine wins, there's a possibility that you might get fired. So it's context does matter for, but a lot of these teams, like I think pretty much all the group of five, seven wins pretty much saves you a job. Um, Majority of programs, probably eight in the, in the power five, and then probably nine wins kind of buys you some time for the majority of the top the top half with like the exceptions of maybe 10, a few of them, but I have another guy here uh, in the hot seats for the group of five, uh, Mr. Butch Jones, Arkansas state five wins in two years. Not good for the red wolves. Um, I don't know, man. Like I want to like, Butch. I kind I kind of want to like Butch Jones. I kind of want to like him. I don't know. How do you feel? <laughs> You're smirking over there. I mean, champions of life is the first thing that, you know, sticks out to me. The but champions, I, yeah. <laughs> not great. He's another Tennessee guy. So, I mean, obviously yeah. he was at, at Cincinnati before he, mm-hmm. he went to Tennessee. But 
uh, I mean, it, it's your prerogative if you want to like a guy. I don't, I don't have strong feelings either way on Butch Jones. I just kind of laugh every time I hear Champions of Life. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's that why. Like, remember the Tennessee players had the trash cans, and it was pretty, you know, ironic because you know they were garbage. Um, but I don't know. I just I feel like Butch Jones should have been better. You know, I feel like Butch Jones at Arkansas State, like this should this should have worked. But it doesn't look like it is. But again, first two years, now his guys that he's, he's recruited are now juniors. Let's see what happens when, when his guys are upperclassmen. I don't know what's going to happen here. I, I don't – I wish I could sit here and say that I know how Arkansas State's going to shake out this year. Unfortunately, I do not. Um, but Butch Jones, I think, is definitely on the hot seat. If this – if this is another three win year, four wins, I think they might say, "Hey, Butch, uh, we're going to cut our losses here and, and and start from scratch." Yeah, it's and again, I think Arkansas State is another one of those places too where Butch may be getting hurt a little bit by some of his predecessor success there. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think uh, Blake Anderson was directly. Uh, in front of in front of Butch Jones there, uh, but then you, you go back through the Arkansas State archives and, and you look at some of the uh, the other guys that have been on campus there in Jonesboro, and it, it's there's been a lot of success there in the Sun Belt. Uh, in particular, I mean, you look at what uh, guys that have, that have come out of that 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 place and gone on to coach at other schools, uh, Gus Malzahn, mm-hmm. uh, Hugh freeze, you know, Brian Harson was there for a year. So it, it, it's, there's definitely just kind of a standard. that's kind of been set. And, uh, Bush Jones, unfortunately just hasn't been able to set it, uh, to meet, meet it yet. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Uh, your last one. Yeah. So now we're going to, uh, the Mac. Uh, going to Ball State, Mike New. Uh, this is one where I, I look at the overall body of work. And, and Mike New has been there since 2016. And over that time, he's been over 500 uh, just once. And that was the COVID year. Uh, Ball State goes 7-1. and one. Obviously, great year for Ball State. But not getting above 500 the rest of the time he's been there. Uh, it, it's just it's it's a tough look. Uh, so I just think, uh, with that in mind, you know, it's, it's kind of a similar situation to the last guy that was the head coach at ball state, uh, in, in Pete limbo, where he's had one good year surrounded by a lot of bad years. And, uh, unfortunately that one good year is just not going to be strong enough to, to, to help coach new keep his job. Uh, so we'll see what he's able to do. I think there is a chance that, that Ball State improves. That's why I kind of have him last on my list. I think uh, he has probably the best chance of, of fighting uh, back this season and, and keeping uh, his job. But I, I think he's definitely on the hot seat this year. Mm-hmm. You know, they always say, um, you know, you, you take away your best year, you take away the worst year, and everything else is who you are. And if you were to do that here, you know, 2020, again, a special case in 2020 uh, because of the limited scheduling. But 
you know, that's a seven and one year. Let's take that away and let's take away their two and 10 year. And you are left with uh, two four win seasons, two five win seasons and a six win season. A six win season that ended in a bowl loss. Didn't, Which ended still in not get above five hundred. Yeah, to and who did they lose to? They lost to Georgia State. Um I think they yeah, got smoked by Georgia State, if I recall. Um yeah, fifty one twenty. Yeah, that would be it. So yeah, he, he's gotta do something. I think how many wins am I gonna say, Jay? Seven wins. Seven wins. That's including a bowl game. If you go six wins and win the bowl game. Was it Monica from Friends? Seven. 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 <laughs> seven. seven. Uh, yeah, that is the magic number. That is the magic number with these group of five teams, and it's the same thing here. Get to a bowl game and win it. And if you don't win the bowl game, make sure you have seven before. Um, so there we go. That is the hot seat of the group of five, because we don't just care about the power five here. We care about the group of five and you know who else we care about Jay. We care about the FCS. We do care about the FCS Jay FCS minute presented by pocket talk, the sports world's fair coming to Houston, April 4th through 7th of 2024. All right, let's get into the FCS minute. Uh, we're going to go through alphabetically and kind of work our way through the conferences to kind of preview ahead of the season. Uh, so this one, it's it's a bit of a weird one, right? Because the A Sun and the WAC kind of came together for a football partnership, uh, and and so I'm thinking A Sun, the A makes them alphabetically first on the list, but the conference branding is now the United Athletic Conference. Uh, and this is basically just kind of a merger of the ASUN and the WAC in, in football. So you have Southern Utah, Utah Tech, Abilene Christian, Charlton State, Stephen F. Austin, uh, Central Arkansas, North Alabama, Austin P., and Eastern Kentucky. Uh, pretty wide geographical spread there from pretty, uh, yeah. pretty from uh, from Utah to, to Kentucky. But uh, you also have uh, UT Rio Grande Valley coming in in 2025. Uh, obviously, we're not going to be talking about them yet because we're previewing the 2023 season. Uh, I look at this conference. I think there's two pretty clear contenders in my mind uh, for the top spot, and that is Stephen F. Austin and Eastern Kentucky, uh, especially with Jacksonville State and, and Sam Houston State moving up to the ranks of the FBS and Conference USA. So those are my two teams that I'm, I'm really keeping an eye on as far as winning this conference uh, in 2023. But I, I mean, you never know who's going to make a run. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of talent in the FCS that I don't think a lot of people realize. This is still Division One football, right? Like yeah. FCS football is still. I get that it's not you know FBS, but it's still Division One football there in the FCS, and I think. Uh, I think we're going to have a pretty good fight in that conference between Eastern Kentucky and Stephen F. Austin. I think the offense at Austin P could be something to watch out for too. So uh, that's the FCS minute presented by Pocket Talk. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, yeah, Austin P. Always seems like they have like a high-powered type of offense. Um, yeah, it's it is kind of funny what how that that conference is set out. Was it Utah? Utah to Kentucky. Yeah, it's so all the way from the southwest corner of Utah to the far eastern corner of Kentucky. And I'll tell you what, because Eastern Kentucky kind of, they kind of end up on my, um, 
on my TV sometimes with just, I guess, who they're playing and things. Um, I know West Virginia played him a couple of years ago. Um, well, I think Eastern Kentucky ended up getting a uh, a win over an FBS program, or they were at least close last year. No, they beat Bowling Green. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, so they beat Bowling Green. I want to say they won, I think they won eight games last year. And then they, they ended were, up. They were seven and five. They were they seven were and five. They were the top team in the uh, WAC A Sun Challenge football standings. Obviously, that's not counting uh, Jacksonville State and, right. and Sam Houston State because of the fact they're moving up. Right, and I think they they ended up losing not to Garner. Gardner. Yes, they ended up losing to Gardner Webb in the um, in the playoffs. I really like Eastern Kentucky. I think they have a a a, a pretty good. Um, you know, football culture there. Uh, everyone seems, you know, everyone kind of buys in to Eastern Kentucky, uh, which, you know, that's a state that is split up between Louisville, Louisville and, uh, you know, U, uh, KU. Or is it UK or KU? I think it's UK. UK, because KU is Kansas. KU, Kansas, right. So it's split up between Louisville. Don't, and, don't do that. We will oh, get oh, so much yeah, trouble. I know, I know. Uh, you know, it, it's split up between Louisville and UK. And, I think Eastern Kentucky is that perfect example of that program that, again, FCS level, but I think people in that state are going to embrace Eastern Kentucky. Um, I like the Colonels this year. I like the Colonels this year. And you also look at like, I would be surprised to see Eastern Kentucky make the jump up to FBS too. And there's Mm -hmm. such a natural rivalry with Western Kentucky directionally. like. Like, I think that just makes so much sense. But Oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot. I've, sorry, I talked about, you know, Louisville and UK. I forgot all about the Hilltoppers, which are <laughs> a really, again, if you're listening to the show, Western Kentucky is usually a super fun team to watch. Almost like. You know, electric offense. Of, yes, like electric. About Austin P having a having a fun. Offense. Exactly. That's probably it's it's very very similar, especially you know when they had Zappy, um, but. No, I like I like UK or EKU, um, Austin P, another one, but love it, Jay. And that was our FCS minute. <laughs> we stretched it out a little bit. It was nice. I love it's. I forget what show it was, but I I don't know. But it was. I think they had something. They oh, they had like was the fastest two minutes or something like that, and they're like with. With Chris Berman. Didn't Berman? Berman did the fastest two minutes, right? Yeah. Berman does the fastest two minutes, and people are like, uh, excuse me, this is longer than two minutes, sir. Um, but I love it. I love it. FCS minute. So here's the thing. Everyone listening to this. Um, so right now it's Tuesday. Please check our Instagram at uh get back coach and also our Twitter um at GB coach because next week's episode is going to be a mailbag episode. That's right. We are going to be taking your questions. Your questions going to be read on the air, your names being read on the air. And, you know, we're going to answer all the questions that you, the viewers, you, the listeners have have for this uh, upcoming college football season should be a super fun episode and I'm excited to be me for me and Jay to be taking your questions. 
Jay, anything to leave our people with? Yeah. Uh, into this month, Pocket Talk is sending me to Richmond, Virginia for a NASCAR race. I'm going to be driving from Houston to Richmond. Uh, so if you have any ideas for stops along the way, maybe you want me to just kind of take the Pocket Talk car and put it in front of a college football stadium, perhaps. Uh, I mean, I will be driving right through Tuscaloosa and Knoxville on the way. So uh, there's going to be maybe some stops. But uh, if, if you have some suggestions on where I should park the Pocket Talk mobile, uh, let me know uh, and, and we'll see if I can make it happen. Wonderful. And from all of us at the Get Back Coach podcast, have a great week.